to since Thanksgiving Day have been playing the majority of it is Christmas music if you listen to any of the local stations or if, even if you listen to K-Love most of that has been uh, Christmas music my mom loved Christmas music she loved the Christmas holiday she was a decorator she was a baker and she was listening to music she wrote dramas because she loved the Christmas season and all of the music so when I hear Christmas music it brings back a lot of memories. Does anybody, does that resonate with you? The memories of childhood and a, a teenage years and young adulthood into now my middle-aged bracket of my 50s, I still have memories when I hear certain songs. Uh, we were listening to Christmas music in our office at Nitro this week and Jingle Bells came on. And all of us in the office began to sing Jingle Bells, Batman Smells. <laughs> Santa Claus laid an egg, right? There's all kinds of versions of that that bring back memories. Music is powerful. Lyrics are meaningful. I don't try to be the lyric police, but Jennifer and Lisa and I, we talk about lyrics because it's, Sometimes, if we're singing certain lyrics that aren't matching up with what's being preached, it brings confusion. Uh, I love that song this morning, Thank You for the Blood. The, but there's one part that I need to change the lyrics on for me. I've never been separated from His love. We have seamless oneness with Him, and my sin didn't scare Him away. But thank you, Jesus, for the blood because it saved my life. It washed me clean. Lyrics are powerful. They're meaningful. Songs have often declared theology that have been lodged in our minds that sermons never did. I can't call, recall word for word any sermon that my dad or anyone else I grew up listening to preach by one word. But if you start and you sing one line of great is thy faithfulness, I can probably sing all of the lyrics. Victory in Jesus this morning when we started. I knew all of the words before they weren't on the screen, but I recalled them. Songs are powerful. Uh, lyrics are meaningful. So this Christmas season, we're going back to the original Christmas playlist. Well, thank you for all that encouragement. I'm glad that you're <laughs> excited about the original Christmas playlist. And this morning we're going to look at the angels' song. And all of these songs on this original Christmas playlist, the lyrics were written by Luke. And they were copyrighted between 59 and 70 A.D. Now some scholars would tell you that he wrote it after he wrote Acts, but most scholars would tell you that he wrote it uh, as an accompaniment after reading Mark's Gospel and he wrote it in the early 60s A.D. But the, the time frame is somewhere between 59 and 75 A.D. according to the manuscripts that we've been able to recover. And the theme of the Gospel of Luke from beginning to end is Jesus, the Savior of the world. It's good to know. I, I brought up a special Bible this morning. I have several copies uh, that I, I look at, but I enjoy this particular one, and it's a study Bible. And in the front of it, 
it will tell you the theme of the book. It will tell you the date and the author, uh, when they penned. Those, a lot of them are songs or poems. You know, songs are so important that we have one book that's just the songs that Solomon wrote. Most of the Psalms are songs that David wrote. We don't have the beat or the melody or the, uh, you know, the key that they were written in, but they're songs. And Luke records songs, um, and the first one that he records is the song of the angels. So go with me to his gospel in the second chapter, Luke. Now I believe Christmas is a time where we can snuggle up close to the fire. We can feel and hear God's heart. It's time when things that cannot be are. Does your wonder need reawakened? Like the wonder of a child at Christmas time? I was reminded this week that Matthew ruined Christmas for a little girl in kindergarten when he was five and he told her that Santa Claus was not real. <laughs> Do you need to see Christmas again through the eyes of that wondering child? Well, just open your heart or your eyes and see the light. Open your heart, feel the emotions, open your mind and understand the meaning. Do you hear it? Do you hear what I hear? There's a song in the air. And it's a song that breaks into our life. And it's the good news of great joy and peace on earth. Luke, the second chapter. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy, and it is for who? Would you underline all? Would you circle it or highlight it? Would you make a mental note that the good news is for all people? Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with that angel and they began to praise God and sing. One translation, a lot of the translations say they said, but I believe that the correct uh, translation or interpretation is they began to sing. What were they singing? They were singing glory to God, that's the Father, in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. Would you tell your neighbor, peace be unto you. Now there had been other announcements by angels. If you'll look at Luke, the first chapter, um, the angel of the Lord Gabriel had appeared to Zechariah and to Elizabeth, who was barren and told them that they would have a child. And then the angel Gabriel had appeared to Mary and told Mary that she would have a son. We're going to look at Mary's song next week. But here the angel of the Lord appears to shepherds. I believe it's uh, showing us that as they declare and sing that it's peace on earth to all men, that it is for us as well because the shepherds were common people. They were out doing their work. We are, for most part, common people out doing our work, and the announcement 
of the angels, the song that they sang still rings clear today, and I believe it's time for us to believe it, that it's good news of great joy, and it's for everyone, everywhere, every day. This song should cause us to celebrate. Um, have you looked around you? How many people do you see that have joy? Alice does have joy, I can tell you that. But as you walk through your day and through your week, do people understand the good news to the point that it puts a smile on their face, a spring in their step, and a praise in their mouth because it's the joy of the Lord? I believe, I don't know about you, but I believe that there is a difference between happiness and joy. Lisa makes me happy. The things that we do together, one of our favorite things that we do together, and all y'all know that, it makes us happy. There's a different, things and events and people can make me happy, happy and those things come and go, but joy is when you know in your heart that no matter what's going on, whether you're happy or not, you can still have joy because the only one that gives you joy is Jesus. And these angels were singing that they're this joy to the world. Yeah, we sing joy to the world on the, in the Christmas season, but we can sing joy to the world every day as a believer. The joy of Jesus. The lyrics are full of good tidings. That word good tidings, glad tidings, it just means good news. The angels were singing good news. Um, I used to preach, and if you have anything before 2014, you can throw it away because it will bring condemnation on you and it will probably make you feel like you're going to hell. Um, that's just where I was. And I wasn't even joyful or happy in my own life during that time, and I perpetrated a lot of that on other people. And, and I pro propagated bad news but then at the very end, I would give you a slight slimmer of hope and tell you that Jesus is good. Now, do all of these things and he'll show up in your life and work on your behalf. And I wasn't getting anywhere and it wasn't helping other people get anywhere. So when the Holy Spirit began to reveal to me in the process of the new covenant that I could put the horse out in front of the cart, it made life a whole lot easier and more enjoyable. Breaking news is permeating our world and it's full of hopelessness, war, financial collapse. I mean, if you watch the news, you can get real depressed real quick by watching the breaking news of shootings and riots and all types of things. Oh, woe is me. It can be easy for us even as believers to begin to view life through a negative lens. We talked last week and we told you it is impossible for us to live a positive life with a negative mind. And so if, and we have to guard our minds because what we uh, expose our minds to through the ear gate, through the eye gate, as we expose ourselves to those things, it can cause us to have the wrong lens when we look at life. And then we get depressed and discouraged and full of worry. And that's not what Jesus has for us. It's joy and it's peace. And it has been proclaimed since his birth 
and it hasn't changed. It's still glad tidings of great joy. When's the last time you had great joy? Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Delight, jubilation, rejoicing, gladness. This good news is enjoyable. We're able in this life to have joy in it. I've been telling people recently uh, at work, I I am enjoying life. I really am enjoying life. I, I think there's some things that the Holy Spirit begin as he begins to talk to me if I will submit to those things that will make them more enjoyable sometimes it's not enjoyable when you wake up with aches and pains and the joints have arthritis in them and you know talking to anybody but we can still have joy now during this time period of the lyrics that are written by Luke the Jews were looking for a king to come and sit on a physical throne in Jerusalem, the throne of their father David, they were looking for a military king that would come and bring them peace and they thought that the peace that they needed was because they were under oppression by the Roman government who was putting certain rules on them, not allowing them to operate in freedom. I don't know if I'm talking to anybody or if that makes any sense to you how it could correlate with what's going on in today's society. We still have groups of people that are looking for the Messiah to come the first time and to set up a kingdom here on the earth and to rule with a sword. But can I tell you that the king came over 2,000 years ago. He was born in a manger. He brought the kingdom with him and the announcement of the angels at his birth was good tidings, good news of great joy and peace and that hasn't ceased. Many then and today are seeking political peace. You're not going to find it in a party. On one side of the aisle or the other. It's not going to happen, folks. The peace that we need is an internal peace that God has already provided through His Son Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And so their real oppression came from the law, not from a political party or an iron fist that was ruling over them. The oppression was internal because they were bound by a set of rules and a covenant. Yes, it hemmed them in. Yes, it protected them, but they were unable to keep it. And Jesus' church came to set us free from that oppression. This heavenly choir was singing a song to all people. The announcement of His kingdom of peace We see in Romans, the 14th chapter, verse 17, that says that the kingdom of God doesn't come with eating and drinking, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy. Two elements of the kingdom of God are peace and joy. Two-thirds of what the kingdom of God is and does is peace and joy. And as long as we think that it's still yet to come will be in a pattern of waiting and hope deferred makes the soul sick and so if I continue to tell you well in the sweet by and by and over yonder and if you'll pray enough and read enough and give enough and sacrifice enough then you might get some peace and joy the work is finished and the kingdom has come 
because the king came and two-thirds of the kingdom are peace and joy. Then he died and he rose again and gave us his life. And so when, as we believe and we step into the reality and are awakened to that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that's the third element of the kingdom of God. His righteousness that has been given to us because what does our righteousness equal? Filthy rags. And that doesn't bring us peace and joy. But what the king did for us, at his birth there was announcement of peace and joy, and because of his death and resurrection, we have righteousness. That is the kingdom. His peace on earth and his goodwill is towards all people. Anyone, say anyone, everyone, my friends, my enemies, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, Israel, Hamas, Hurricane Scott Depot, Winfield, St. Albans, Nitro, Mexico, Canada, every tribe, every tongue, all is all. The gospel is inclusive. The cross left no one out. The uh, angel's song on the day of his birth did not leave anyone out. Peace on earth, goodwill towards all men. Even if they don't identify as their biological, well, well. See, we want to love people and think that they can have peace if they do what we think they should do. God has said they can have peace too. Now they may not walk in the reality of that until they submit and surrender. Maybe there's things going on in your life that you've not submitted to the Lord and so you don't have peace. There's all kinds of things that can keep us from walking in the peace that has already been given to us and, and that we have, but the reality is we're not enjoying it because we are still addicted to some things. We still have things going on in our life. But, if you don't get anything else this morning, would you please write this down? Peace is a permanent establishment in the life of the believer. Peace doesn't come and go. Sometimes you realize it, sometimes you don't, sometimes you feel it, sometimes you don't. But peace is permanent. How, how can you tell me that peace is permanent, Jamie? Because God said he would never leave you nor forsake you. And my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. I give you my peace. And so if Jesus is the prince of peace, and he lives on the inside of me by his spirit, and he never leaves me, peace is always there. And along with writing down that peace is a permanent establishment in my life because I am a believer, you can write down that peace does not equal the absence of problems. See, we think that peace is the absence of turmoil in my life. No, I can have peace right in the middle of that turmoil, in that storm. Sometimes he'll calm the storm. Sometimes he'll calm me in the storm. But peace is still there. It's a permanent establishment in the life of the believer. If something does not confirm the peace that he has already given you, 
Here's a big spiritual principle. Ignore it. If it's not promoting and it does not confirm the peace that you already have, then ignore it. Don't give it any attention. Jesus grew up in a culture where they spoke Hebrew. The Hebrew word that they used for peace was shalom. It's recorded in Scripture that he spoke it. It is the greeting and the farewell that carried with it the meaning of may your life have order and may it go well for you. Also, it means may you have a sense of balance and not chaos. Order and well-being to me means alignment. So the Holy Spirit is a chiropractor. He will bring me into alignment. See, when you get your uh, spine aligned, a lot of other things come into order when the spine is aligned. There's a lot of physical things that can begin to, there's peace that's brought to those physical things when there is alignment. And the same thing is true as the Holy Spirit speaks to your life. He wants to align you so the other areas of your life begin to operate in peace and not in chaos. That's good. I want to leave you with three things this morning. Three experiences of peace that I believe that the angel's song was trying to declare to us. Number one, you can have peace with God. And that peace with God is a spiritual experience that touches our hearts. I, <clears throat> I like to read different things in different areas of life uh, for wholeness. Mind, body, and spirit. My soul is my mind, will, and emotions. My physical body, my spirit man that is whole and complete. And I was reading this week that um, a, a medical doctor who has done some practice, this was written in the Canadian Medical Journal, that the heart... The biggest branches of, of, of nerves run from the heart to the brain, not the other way around. So the heart literally talks to the brain. It says things. The medical world or the science world would call that intuition. What I call it is discernment. And your knower knows, and your knower will tell your head so that your head can send a signal to the rest of the body to do or not to do certain things and this spiritual experience of having peace with God puts the heart at rest then the heart tells the brain that there's peace and when you have peace did anybody ever grow up hearing the phrase that he, well he made peace with God it doesn't happen that way God made peace with us God settled the peace thing with Jesus through Jesus gave us peace through the life of Christ that's in us. Now, awakening to that and walking in that maybe might be, okay, yeah, you've made peace with God. You're agreeing with what He has already given you. Then the second experience is the peace of God. So you have peace with God through what Jesus did. That's a spiritual experience. The peace of God is an emotional experience that touches our soul, mind, will, and emotions. Proverbs 14.30 says the peace of mind means a healthy body and a healthy mind. But jealousy will rot the bones. 
the peace of God. And, and um, it's an emotional experience that because I had peace with God through what Jesus did, then I have the peace of God that rules my heart. Let the peace of God rule your heart. And as the peace of God rules, it's like an umpire that makes the final decision. If you've not ever heard the message, go up to YouTube and look up Jamie, Pastor Jamie Wright, Grace Life Church, Peace Like an Umpire. It guards our hearts, and that's the peace of God in every situation. And then the third is peace on earth. And that's a relational experience where our peace affects others because the relationship that we have with them. Because we have the peace of God, and we've got peace with God, and we're establishing peace with them and letting them know the good news is it's peace on earth to all. And you can have that. Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Pursue peace with all people. Stop attacking people. Holy Spirit, help me. Here, here's where I've got to have help. I, I, can, I can control not attacking people on Facebook because it becomes exhausting. I, I have... Come to grips with not attacking people to their face because that can cause me bodily harm. Okay? And I like my face. But where I have the hard time in attacking people is when I'm talking to Gary about popcatting. Or I'm talking to Jows about Brett. And I'm attacked. I'll tell you where the Holy Spirit deals with me is when I stand right here, God help me not to attack his bride. Even though they may not see things the way that I see them, they may not be in their journey where I am, and God help me that I don't attack my past from things that hurt me, And because most part, I heard a Jesus message, hang in there, don't quit, don't give up. I heard a lot of good messages, that's foundational. I don't want to attack that. But I do have to say there are things that caused issues in my life that if I can help you avoid those and get help over those things, that you can begin to align your body and your mind with the peace of God so that you can have peace with others. It's a new perspective where you refuse to evaluate people based upon their outward appearance or their behavior. See, we tend to attack people because of their outward appearance. They don't look like us. They don't act like us. They don't talk, uh, talk like us. Or we'll attack their behavior because we don't believe that it meets a certain preset qualifications that we have in our mind. And so if we've got these preset qualifications in our mind, then we attack their behavior because well, that I need to strive with peace for them, with them. And so the way that I strive with peace of them is not to attack them and to share the peace of God that I have with me that's been passing all understanding so that they can experience it because it's available for them. God wants it for them. He, he's provided it for them as well. We have been radically reconciled back to God through the blood of Jesus. Therefore, we can do some radical reconciling ourselves. Let's... 
the Holy Spirit begin to speak to you right now? Is there anyone that you need to make peace with? What if they're dead? You can still make peace with them. I want to declare peace to your life this morning. If you want to receive the peace of God this morning, I want to declare three areas of peace over you. These are declarations that I want to, I've made for myself and I want to make them over you and you can begin making them over your life and the life of others. I declare peace over your past. The shame, the embarrassment, the guilt, the regret the sadness, the grief, the loneliness of the past, I speak peace over those areas of your life. I've been saying it recently, I want to say it again. We don't dwell in the past, but we do have to deal with it. Two different things. And so I speak peace over your past as you deal with it, but you don't dwell there. I speak peace over your present. Psalm 103, this is a scripture that's helped me to remain at peace in the present. It's not over my past, it's right now. It comes from the scripture that declares, David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Psalm 103, and he gets down to verse 12, and he says, Who has removed my transgression as far as the east is from the west. Then I add it to a New Testament scripture in Hebrews that says to remember them no more. That gives me peace right now that He has removed my sin, past, present, and future, as far as the east is from the west, and He remembers them no more. Man, that brings me peace. And I declare peace over your future. That anything that comes your way, circumstances, situations, discouragement as it rises up that you can declare that I have peace and anything that I will face tomorrow the peace of God surpasses all understanding would you stand to your feet with me please and the word peace in the Greek is irene It means quietness, rest, health, and welfare. It's when all the essential parts come together in your life. Who brings them together? Christ. What Jesus did. One definition of peace that I've found defines peace as the state or the period in which there is no war or war has ended. That brought me to the scripture in Isaiah, the 40th chapter, verse 2, that says, Speak comfort to Jerusalem. Now, if we look at an Old Testament scripture and we see Jerusalem, I declare that over our lives. Jerusalem is the church. The new Jerusalem is God's bride, His people. So I speak comfort to the church. And I cry out to her that her warfare has ended. 
that her iniquity has been pardoned, for she has received double from the Lord's hand. Double for all, one translation says, her troubles. I've held on to this scripture now for about 13 years. And I believe that God has given me and continues to give me double for my trouble. All of the years that I that sin took, see, sin will take you farther than you want to go, will cost you more than you want to pay, and it will keep you longer than you want to stay. But when you get the mindset and you hear the words, comfort ye, comfort ye, to the church, because God has said that your warfare is over. He defeated the enemy on your behalf and you don't have to fight the battle. You are more than a conqueror. That, that's when you don't fight and you still get the spoils of the, the battle. Your warfare has ended. Your iniquity has been pardoned. I, I keep coming back to that because when my mind was sin conscious, I had no peace. But now that I am Christ conscious and I am a son and I don't dwell on those things, and I know my iniquity has been pardoned and removed and never remembered, I, I have peace. And I speak to you peace and comfort and that you've received double. That's where the angels were singing glory to God in the highest from the Father who has sent His Son with great joy and peace towards men and I love this part, in whom He is well pleased. It didn't say He'll send peace and joy if you'll do these things or you'll sign this card or you'll go to that church or you'll read this many chapters. He said, no. Peace and joy to all men in whom I am well pleased because of Jesus. Because when He looks at us, He sees Jesus. We are hidden in Christ, and Christ is hidden in us. With your hands raised and your hearts centered, would you just begin to declare peace? Now, Holy Ghost, you say what you want to say to your children this morning.